Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. We are super excited to sit down with Michelle Bosch on this week's inspiring episode. Michelle has been a full-time investor since 2002, is co-founder and managing director of Orbit Investments. She and her partner Jack have bought and sold over 4,000 pieces of real estate and built the third largest land investment and auction company in the United States, bringing that company successfully into the eight-figure revenues in a matter of 18 months. On today's episode, we cover so much with Michelle, from why flipping land is a lot easier and simpler than flipping homes, to the plans you must have in place for financial freedom, to why you should stop setting goals and instead start determining your identity. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. And you are back on the Real Estate Investor Show and excited to have you back on for a great episode we have. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to the show. Hi, ladies. Excited to be here. Yeah, we're going to jump into Michelle's background and all the good stuff we'll be talking about in a moment. But uh, as Andressa and I like to do as we, as we begin the show, just kind of share a little bit what, what's up for us. What's going um, on? Oh, Andressa, uh, we are revamping our company website, the DeRosa Group. Yeah, I know and, about that. And I was like, you know, how long is this really going to be? You know, and, <laughs> uh, you know, I shared, I maybe shared with our Facebook community, my husband wrote a book for bigger pockets. So we're like, we got to get this new website up and running, you know, before the book launches. Yes. Well, I, uh, you know, took a lot longer than I expected. But why I wanted to mention it on our, our um, call today was the exercise of actually revamping your website is, was so helpful for us. Rewriting our bios, rewriting what our company stood for, our values. It was actually like this, like exercise in and of itself. It wasn't just about the the, um, you know, the website, but like, what is the brand that we're trying to emulate out there? And it was just really helpful all around as a like, actual business exercise, which I didn't anticipate. I was like, okay, we just got to get a website redone and put the book on there mm-hmm. and bingo, bango. But it was so helpful to do that. And I would encourage the ladies listening to this, you know, if you haven't looked at your website in a while or what's your online presence, you know, just revamping it or refreshing it is so helpful because we're always evolving as people, as, as business. Yeah. So it's just, it was just a helpful reminder. And I, we actually felt it was very uh, therapeutic to do. <laughs> and I just wasn't expecting that as a result. So I, I saw it. I knew before and after. And I, did, I, I think you guys did an excellent job because it really reflects who you guys are right now as a family and as business owners. It didn't reflect who you guys were 10, 12 years ago. It just, you guys changed it. The family grew. You have Zaki and Sammy now. It's, it's just different. And yeah. now I think, I think it, it matches perfectly. Your goals, your values are very clear. So it's easier for people to identify with you and want to do business with you because they can see everything. So crystal clear. What do you guys stand for? Well, that's the thing I wanted to mention to the, to the listeners too, or our late ladies listening. I mean, if your brand doesn't represent who you are, it, it's hard for people to connect with you. And so mm-hmm. just, I, I, that was the other thing our, our web designer said is, I said, I don't know if I should put a picture of my family and my kids. Does that seem a little, you know, much? Or even the uh, nonprofits I support, is that a little much? And she goes, no, people want to get to know you, just like they want to get to know anyone doing business with you. So that was just interesting. I think about the first website was like a business card, you know? <laughs> and now it's like this interactive place that people want to get to know you. They don't want to just know I you love business. So, well, thank you. You have to, you have to say that now. <laughs> no, I don't. And this I'm is, just joking. You, you know what? I, I, I'm very like straightforward. You know, if I saw something, I would call you and say, Hey, what yeah, the hell true. is that picture? <laughs> you would, you wouldn't tell me that. That's what I, I love would. about you. <laughs> what I love about you, Andressa. You know that. Without further ado, Michelle, thank you so much for being on our show today. Welcome again. Thank you for for having me, ladies. I'm excited. Thank you for the opportunity. And yeah, definitely revamping a website can be an MBA. (laughs) You're learning about, I mean, you're thinking about your branding, your positioning, you know, like you said, core values. So HR, how will this appear if you're recruiting people for your team? You know, it's not just their clients. It it really is uh, a little mini crash course in, in business if you think about it. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. So it's, uh, and, and your website and your business is so fascinating. I, we just love to jump into your story because everyone has a story. And, uh, you know, you and your husband run a very successful real estate investment company, do a lot of courses. So Michelle is, uh, is uh, an expert in a lot of areas. So please, without further ado, share a little bit about your journey to becoming an investor because that's, you know, something that uh, is, is unique to all of us. So it is unique to all of us. So um, both Jack and myself came here to the U.S. Um, well, I got here in 1995. He got here in 1997. We both originally came to study. He's originally from Germany. I'm from Honduras. So both from different, complete different parts of the world. And um, we met, uh, fell in love, and decided to stay here in the U.S. And um, we both went ahead and, you know, got jobs and we're on H1, you know, working visas and through our companies trying to get, you know, our green cards and so on and so forth because, uh, you know, marrying each other really didn't help our immigration status in, in terms of like, <laughs> <laughs> American. sorry, but, but um, in any case, um, so that's kind of like, you know, where we're from. And then um, we started working at that, you know, at our respective jobs and we were 100% travel. Um, absolutely, I think, uh, hating, uh, you know, what we were doing a couple of years into it. And so we decided, okay, there's got to be something else. We can't continue doing this for much longer. We, could we, we would barely see each other. Um, and we would definitely definitely uh we saw a reduction in our ability to stay in contact with our respective families back home you know with at uh, the beginning of a job you you know you have two weeks of vacation and that's pretty much it so either one year we would go to germany or one year we would go to honduras um and that was it and so we 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 thought no that's that's no bueno we need to see the rest of the world as well <laughs> um and and it, it it just came from a complete um I want to say, you know, a complete dissatisfaction in, in terms of how our life was unfolding back then that we thought, okay, we need to do something different. We need to do something else. And we had no idea about real estate. Um, so um, when we first got into it, you know, for us, um, thinking about houses or homes or apartment buildings right now was definitely not in the horizon, only because even construction wise, you know, how you build is completely different in Germany and in Honduras and how you build here in the U.S., and so um, we, we kind of stumbled into something called tax liens and tax deeds. And we um, figured out that very quickly that that was incredibly competitive. But what we also find out, found out by going to those auctions was that, you know, there's people that are, um, you know, letting these properties go. Um, and they've made those decisions way, way in ahead, you know, in advance. And so what we were like, okay, what if instead of trying to get, you know, these properties, whether it be houses or land, and, and the majority of what we saw out there was land, you know, at the, at the auctions, um, why, what, what if we contacted these people earlier, you know, in that process? And so we started uh, doing direct mail and that's, we continue to do. So to this day, direct mail um, to, to vacant landowners uh, of a certain price range, anywhere between $5,000 and $100,000. And um, those have become our staple meat and butter, you know, deals with, you know, 10, 15, 20 grand spreads, um, which uh, considering what, you know, in the house world you, you get is not bad at all. Um, we have very too little, you know, almost no competition uh, in the land area. Everyone's chasing houses. Um, we send out a mailing for either 300 or 500 letters and we get a deal. Um, if you send a thousand letters, you're going to get in terms of callback ratios, you're going to get anywhere between five and 20%, you know, conversion, um, on that thousand mailing and probably two to three deals from there. Um, so compared to the housing world where you have to do, you know, anywhere between six and 10,000 postcards to get one deal and have a spread of maybe five to 10 grand, um, not, not bad at all. <laughs> And where, where were the, the location that you guys started? We started actually here in Arizona. So um, we, when we met, we met in Chicago, actually, in Illinois. That's where we were, you know, Jack was getting his MBA there. Then he found a job. Then I got accepted for my MBA here in Phoenix. And, um, and then after that, you know, we were both working. And so for us, the, 
the more natural, you know, transition was to start looking at land here in the state of Arizona. And then from there, really expanding nationwide, you know, slowly into the Southwest area and then pretty much everywhere in the U.S. at this point. You raised such a good point, Michelle, because I'm thinking about we did an exercise where we were sending out mailers. We're not wholesalers, so we're not, I'm not an expert by any means in direct mail, but we partnered with a wholesaler and we did this whole campaign for six months, probably about a year ago. And it was like, the results were like dismal. I mean, like literally dismal. We didn't end up buying any property from, from the project. I mean, we, we could have continued, but we just felt like we were just literally taking money and just putting it down the toilet. (laughs) I mean, it was like, it just felt very frustrated about it. And I was just, when you said that about competition, you, you're raising such an interesting point. I mean, fix and flip, fix and flippers are just, I mean, you meet anybody in the grocery store and everyone's fi- flipping houses, right? I mm-hmm. mean, anybody, right? Anybody and everybody. Yeah. So, I, you know, in terms of land investing, tell us a little bit about that process. Cause you know, I, I'm, I'm someone who knows very little about that. And, and I'm sure that a lot of investors know very little about that, even though those like myself and I'm just who actually are in this business and active in the business. So, Walk us through a little bit about what that looks like and, and okay. what do you, you know, just from, from as a p- pure beginner, I, I know very little. Okay. So basically we, we go ahead and identify an area that we want to work in. And uh, once we have identified, you know, we get a list either from the county or for, from any of, you know, your list brokers of people that own vacant land in that area. You know, we kind of like sort our list based on price value. Um, ideally, you know, you want to probably touch people that similar to the houses that are out of state owners, but it really doesn't matter. They can be in the same state because what we're really looking at is for the most part, it'll be either recreational air, uh, properties in the outskirts of town, uh, where the, where the city is growing towards, or it'll be infill lots. Yeah. So, um, in the city. So, so you, you basically go ahead and send out a mailing and, you know, people will be calling you back and depending on the area and on the, and on the price range, anywhere between that five, you know, five and 20%, you know, callback ratio that I told you earlier, mm-hmm. um, you are going to ask them a few questions about their property in terms of size, you know, and so on and so forth. Um, and, uh, you are going to let them know that you're going to do a little bit more research and you're going to get back to them, you know, with an offer if you're interested in the property. So at that point you do very minimal offer because, uh, very minimal research, I'm sorry, because you're not, um, you don't know if they're going to accept your offer or not. So it's really preliminary stuff that either will come with your list or that can be easily accessible in a County website as far as, you know, uh, figuring out the subdivision, the sizes, you know, uh, topo, um, aerial views and so on and so forth. Um, and then you, and, and, and getting an idea on, you know, values in the area and, um, you're going to make your offer. And usually that offer for us looks at anywhere between 10 to 25 cents on the dollar. And, and so we buy extremely, extremely cheap. Um, and, um, you are going to send your offers out and you're going to get contracts accepted and either you're going to self-close or you're going to send it to a title company. We, for the most part, just, you know, we send stuff to title companies. Um, and we recommend that even our students, you know, just go ahead and, uh, go and, you know, deal with a title company to do your closing and so on and so forth. Some deals, you know, there, there might be, the spread might be so low that you're like, okay, really, I can't insure this on my own. So let me just self-close, but you would have to be very good at, uh, doing research at the grant or grantee index, you know, at, at a recorder's, you know, county website and so on and so forth. And you would need to know how, you know, how that process works and what you're looking for. So for a beginner, I would say just you have an accepted contract, send it to title. And, um, and as far as the closing goes, because it's so cheap, um, we are either looking at basically buying it outright, you know, mm-hmm. or close, doing a double close or putting an option on the property, finding your buyer, and then, and then, you know, exercising your option and then closing on the deal. I'm um, curious, Michelle, just, just one second. Uh, before you proceed, I just want to um, clarify the, the list. Do you get that list from your county or do you purchase it from, you know, list source, Melissa? Yeah, exactly. You could do list source, agent pro. Um, okay. 
uh, and or the counties. You know, the county okay. assessors. We usually just go for the counties because for us, it's like the more direct route. You know, they even have a a use code. You know, usually the county um, lists have use codes, and they tell you, you know, what type of property that is, so you can immediately filter by vacant land. Um, they they give you values, um, and either county assessors um, offices. Uh, will have that or their information technology department will have that and they can provide lists. You know, you have to pay for them, but uh, anywhere between two, 300 bucks. I mean, for a list, it's the most that I've ever had to pay, you know, and I've made that money many times over. So um, it's, it's worth it. <laughs> Great. When you step back to around like the why behind land investment. Like I think about, you know, there's so many things that are like hot right now, right? Multifamily apartment buildings and, you Which know, we fixed- did too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you've transitioned, right? So you've transitioned, but you started as land, you know, yeah, buying and, and, the reason, and the reason why we did land is that because we didn't have to worry about termites. We didn't have to worry about toilets. We didn't have to worry about tenants. There was nothing to worry about. And because we had very limited knowledge as far as like, if we had to rehab a home, I mean, that would have been like an unsurmountable, uh, you know, accomplishment for us. We, we, could, we couldn't, that couldn't even enter like our, our headspace, you know, and how we would go about doing that. So for us, it was like, okay, this is, this is, you know, we're going to find dirt and we're, you know, and we're going to find it for dirt cheap and we're going to flip it. So, and that's originally how we started. We started, at, you know, flipping it for what we call in our, you know, in our house, one-time cash. Mm-hmm. And then we decided, okay, um, we can do this either, you know, by getting one-time cash and exchanging, you know, hours for dollars. And it's a very active kind of business that if I stop the mailings, that's, you know, that reduces deal flow and deal flow comes to an end. And if there's no deal flow, then I'm not making offers and therefore I'm not making money. So then we started transitioning into offering seller financing. Uh, and basically we became the bank and, you know, we would just have, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 year notes. Uh, we are collecting on notes to this day, you know, from way back in the day uh, where they're about to pay off. And, um, and we call that temporary cash. For us, it was like, okay, this is a big transition from being an active, um, having an active business to really having some residual, but that is temporary because the note at some point, you, you know, will come to an end, you know, they, they'll pay it off. And, and from there on, you, we kind of like transition our, you know, we evolved as investors into what we call forever cash. Um, my husband even wrote a book called Forever Cash. And so, um, and so forever cash for us now, it's more the long-term buy and hold. Uh, back in 2009, we went shopping. I mean, the U.S. was for sale and we were sitting on a ton of liquidity from, you know, monthly notes that were coming in. Um, and so, uh, then we started buying and holding, you know, single family homes in three markets. And then from there, okay, you know, how can we 10x that? And we can 10x that, you know, by buying a hundred, 200 doors at a time versus just one single family at a time, you know, and so on and so forth. So kind of that's, that's been our, our evolution is kind of following that philosophy of what we call our main, our end goal really as forever cash, but there's a place and time for one-time cash you know, for the flipping of the land, if you're just starting and you need seed money and you need to, at some point, you know, replace your J-O-B, you, you need one-time cash. So, um, so Michelle, I, I love that concept because, you know, it's funny because when my husband and I talk and even about the different types of money you can make, uh, I love the terms you're using, like the one-time cash, the forever cash. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a woman listening to this podcast. I'm listening to this interview. How does a person, how does an investor you figure out how much activity they need in those buckets because it's really it comes down to right time and energy and money and where do we spend our time do you know versus just you know uh, following the, the the you know the shiny object right the shiny object syndrome happens a lot here in, in, in real estate investing mm-hmm. and uh, you know I've had my share of that uh, so for 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 the for the ladies listening to this what would you suggest is there an is there an exercise is there questions they can ask themselves to kind of figure out to like drill down to you know how do they focus right on those yeah. those those buckets yeah and i i can tell you exactly what we done what we have done and what we continue to do so when we when we decided okay really the end goal is forever cash um what we first need to do is come up with you know 
different milestones or landmarks that we need to accomplish. And so what we, what we have, and we continue to use it to this day, and we actually teach our students, we, we call it, you develop your security plan, your comfort plan, and your luxury plan. And so the security plan for us, you know, back then we were doing already quite a bit of flips and we were like, okay, with these flips, uh, what is the minimum in terms of living expenses that I need to, that I need to live on? You know, if both Jack and I did not have a job that, you know, that we need to cover and that we need to meet. And so that was for us, our security plan. And that did not include vacations and that did not include, you know, spas or anything extravagant. It's, the bare minimum of what you need in terms of your living expenses. It did not include Starbucks coffee? <laughs> it did not. Oh. And we don't watch TV, so it didn't include cable either. There we go. <laughs> right. So glad I'm hearing that. <laughs> so, so basically the bare minimum and, 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 and what do we need basically in order, if you had a J-O-B to replace that income at the bare bones, and at some point we're like, okay, we are right now at a level of flipping of land that we're way over that, you know, that comfort or that security. So let's go ahead and start, um, and start selling land, uh, doing seller financing so that we can meet that level of security, that security plan with notes, with monthly payments, with mailbox money. Yeah. And so that was the first step. And then comes your, okay, and, and once you've accomplished that and, you know, you're continuing to have access through either your one-time cash or your temporary cash, you're like, you can move on to the comfort plan. Okay, what, what does a comfort plan involve? How does it look like? Well, it involves me getting, you know, my nails done once a month versus no nails done, you know, once a month. Uh, me doing my own nail polish versus, you know, going to someone yeah. to get it done. I mean, ladies, we need, we need to take care of that. You know, getting my, yeah. my roots done, you know, every eight <laughs> weeks versus once a year. <laughs> and so, um, you know, massage, a spa day, um, a relatively inexpensive vacation, you know, um, to, to, to a place that was not Honduras or Germany, because we knew that if we went to those, both those places, it would be a very, you know, very low budget, you know, in terms of we didn't have to spend anything in hotel because, you know, we would stay with family and so on. So the comfort involved a little bit more. It was us spending in a, in a nicer hotel, you know, and so on and so forth for two weeks, someplace in the world. And, and that's kind of like how we set our, you know, our comfort, uh, a plan. And we, in that plan, we would still continue, you, you know, driving what we used to drive, which was, you know, my geoprism and my and jack's toyota corolla and at some point you know we decided to exchange the corolla for a forerunner so we could actually go in in the beginning um go and take a look at the land we don't do that anymore i mean the moment we started doing land auctions which passed back in 2003 four we used to do big land auctions 200 properties you know every every quarter so four of those auctions a year so for a total of about 800 properties a year that we would be basically either flipping for cash or doing the seller financing for them. And um, if I can go back a little bit in time to your earlier question, that's what allowed us the liquidity to then at some point in 2009, when the market crashed, you know, be sitting in a ton of cash to go buy um, single family homes. Well, when I, when I look back at you guys, I also came with the goal of finishing up my master's degree and going back. So things changed, but uh, it seems to me that you guys had a very clear goal where you guys were going. You probably didn't know how to, but you guys had bigger goals to where that reflects where you guys are right now. And that revolved as you, you grow your company. Yeah, absolutely. We, I mean, we were driven. I come from a third world country, uh, not in, you know, not a poor family, but middle class and middle class in Honduras is still not a lot, you know, I had to uh, do a student assistantship in order to, you know, help myself cover tuition here at the university, uh, be done in three years. So do extra classes so that I wouldn't, you know, I hear have, you not have the <laughs> right? year of classes, you know, because that wasn't, that was a year of, ex of expenses where I wasn't getting any income. Uh, the same for Jack. I mean, he was raised on a single, you know, 
uh, on a single income. His father is a teacher back in Germany. He has an older brother. Um, he remembers at times, you know, when he uh, was with friends, you know, from his school in, in study groups and um, he couldn't, um, you know, if, if they went to a bar to study, li listen to this, it's Germany and it's beer, right? So he could have, you know, he could have a beer, but he didn't have any money to order something to eat. And he could have a beer and he had to, you know, sip on that beer for three hours or four hours, however long they, they studied. <laughs> I know beer studying doesn't go, but believe me, this man can make it happen. Um, and so, and so he, he remembers, you know, not, not, not having a lot. And so absolutely that those are one of the things that, you know, that drove us back then. You, you can either be driven by pleasure or by pain. And I think in the beginning for us, we were able to very successfully channel uh, the pain aspect and, and use that as, you know, rocket fuel to get us going and being of the opinion of like, okay, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, you know, and, and kind of like that mindset. And so for, I would say six to seven years, the first six to seven years, we used to, you know, we worked 80 to 100 hours a week. Uh, there was no balance, but we also did not have children, you know. And so um, it was, it was, uh, it was a time to really just give it our all and it, it paid off. So the luxury plan. So back on the three, the three, yeah. uh, the, I, I want to go back to that. Yes, so tell us, so I, I can imagine what the luxury plan looks like, but tell us a little bit about what that looked like for you. Yeah. And so then now the luxury plan looks like, okay, you know, you have somebody that helps you with, you know, uh, with cleaning your house, somebody that helps you with, um, uh, washing, you know, coming and doing laundry for you. Somebody that um, helps me with Sophia on certain days of the week and picks her up from school and helps her with homework. Uh, it, it means us traveling, you know, three to four months of the year. It means five-star resorts. It, 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 it'll depend for every, you know, it'll be different for everyone. It'll be now, you know, I just got myself in December a nice Porsche Cayenne. Jack got himself a Mercedes. And so it, it, it'll be different for different people. Um, for some people, it might be, you know, flying private. This is for me, I, I, you know, I don't, I, I don't need that. So it's not something that will be in my luxury plan for myself. You know, my trips, my, my long haul trips are either to Europe or Asia and, and those I want to, you know, fly first class. So, um, I don't need to have a private plane for those, <laughs> but I do. I definitely want to sleep horizontal. Oh, there you <laughs> for those, go. For those seven, eight hours. <laughs> so, so for the women listening to this, I, you know, it, you know, it's, you think about these three pieces, right? You get the security yeah. plan, the comfort plan, the luxury plan, and then there's different probably real estate activity that's going to get you right to that yeah. kind of like into that movement of where, where you see yourself when you were in like the, like just working your buns off, like you were just saying, you know, in the, those first number of years, um, what, and you weren't in the, you weren't doing, you know, you didn't have the Mercedes, you didn't have the, you know, the, the luxury, luxuries that you have now, right? Yeah. What propelled you? What, you know, what exercises or did you have a, you know, a vision board? Like what, when you looked around and said, I don't have those things now, but I, I see those things coming, right? So, I'm curious, was there anything in particular uh, that you and your husband did to mm -hmm. vision, visualize those things when you didn't have them and they weren't around you at the time? Because so many times people get stopped, right? I don't have it. I'm here in my life. Wherever here is, I want to get there, but it's so hard from here to there to see yourself going in that direction because they're not there, right? They don't have it. So I'm curious. I mean, there's a secret out there. We all know all those things, what you think about comes about, but for you, what did you guys do? Because you clearly did something to move yeah. yourselves in that direction. So, so, so the first one to leave, to basically to start the land business, actually actively 100% was, was me because we were actually getting our green card through Jack's company, which is now Oracle. They used to be Sibo, mm. it's now Oracle. And so we couldn't afford, you know, for him to not have that job because our immigration status depended on that. So I was able to do, you know, uh, I think maybe 20 flips a year, the first year on my own. And then the moment that Jack left the company, you know, we were able to do 90 deals. And it wasn't just him, but we were already at a point where 
we could have we could afford not to have him have his job and also have two people assisting us and so when he came on board we were able to do I think 90 deals that following year, the following year, 150. And at some point we're like, okay, we're working our asses off and it's still not where we're looking at, where we're looking to go. And I think the looking to go, which is, I think the, the crux of your question is a matter of identity. We, our identity was to have a seven figure business. So that from the get go was, was there. This is where we're going, you know? Um, and so and so in order to do that, we're like, okay, we cannot continue doing it how we're doing it right now. You know, I can continue to sell, you know, every week X number of properties, but how can we flush like a thousand properties, 2000 properties? And that's where the land auctions come into play. And at some point, and at that, and at that point you realize and you recognize, okay, I cannot continue being a rugged individualist and controlling freak which I was. <laughs> we come I, to that. We have no I, idea what you're talking and, about. And I, and, I, and I need help and I need a team, you know, to help me do that. And so, um, and so that's, I think it's a matter of identity. If you, if you see yourself as, you know, a hundred thousand dollar type of person or a $200,000 type of person, that's kind of like where you're going to float in terms of your income. But if you, at the, you know, from the get-go, think about, you know, seven figures, I think for us, it was just, we had uh, so much passion. It was never a question of whether this would be possible. It was just a matter of time and how. Um, so um, there, there was, I guess, some intensity <laughs> involved in there as well. You know, we... We knew that we, 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 we were both here, foreigners, that we could do this, that we could really be the, I'm going to tell, the end of the, of the story of, you know, of a cycle of poverty consciousness and, yeah. <laughs> and no. be the beginning or the birth of something really big. Yeah. So yeah. you, can be, you can consider like, okay, we were the end of that story and we're the beginning of a new one. Oh, I'm getting the chills here. I know, I am too. <laughs> it is just yeah. so beautiful to see it. And more than building and, and buying and selling land, you guys are really changing a cycle and really leaving a huge legacy. Yes. And I think that that's what it really matters at the end of the day, the legacy that you're, you're living. I was thinking another day, you know, podcast didn't exist. I Internet know. didn't exist, right? So if I were to yeah. research who my grand-grand-grandfather did, my grand-grandmother did, I don't know. But our kids will be yeah. able to hear this story that you're talking right now. Your grandkids will. My grandkids will. And I, I always think of that, that what we are doing right now, the end of the day, that's the legacy that we want to show them that it is possible. There's no excuse mentality. We'll get you there. So thank you for sharing that yeah, very raw I'm moment. I'm sorry there I got emotional, but it's like, <laughs> oh my God. And I hadn't revisited that in a while. It's been yeah. a while. Yeah. No, and I, I love what you're saying, Michelle, because I think so many times, you know, people look at others and say, wow, you have so much, you must have gotten that, you know, with a silver spoon. You're lucky. And, or or yeah. did you, you know, or they think you started last week. I mean, is this is so many interesting perceptions out there. And really to make that transition, you know, so many people say, well, what are your goals? What are your goals? What are your goals? That's not the question actually at all. That's the wrong question. The question that you're, you guys asked yourselves was what is, who, who are we? What is our identity? And that propelled you into the next phase. It actually yeah. wasn't, I'm sure you had goals along with it, but yeah. mm -hmm. we asked the wrong questions. And if yeah. you're asking the wrong questions, you get the wrong results or the results that you don't want. And you're right. You could be flipping 10 properties, 15 properties, 20 properties, whatever your goal is. And still at that level, if that's all you see yourself, like if you see yourself as a hundred thousand dollars, it doesn't matter what you do. You will, it'll always happen. If you'll go back to a hundred thousand dollars. I love that idea of what is your identity? Because that is a different question as a different that goes, question. That goes for the balance in your bank account too. That works exactly the same way. Like, are you like a $10,000 kind of gal, you know, in your bank account? 
or are you a million dollar kind of gal in your bank account you know or you know so it it it, it you can use that for for pretty much anything if you if you think about it you know yeah i love that and i love the idea of really people going within to get clear on that because mm-hmm. if they want the luxury, their own luxury, whatever luxury looks like, you know, for them, having their kids be debt-free and going to college, whatever it looks like for them, and, they have and to ask that question. It, if you think about it, the biggest luxury is a feeling because we're all going after a feeling, right? And when we started this, it was a feeling of peace of mind. And for us, in order to have peace of mind, we figured, okay, we're going we're gonna to go at it through the financial aspect, you know, where really... Uh, Right now, 90% of our time is being consumed in financial decisions. Let me not have to think about, oh my God, my shower should only be three minutes because, you know, it's costing me money to take an hour shower or a big or a nice, you know, sumptuous bath or whatever. I'm like, let me not have that part of my mindset anymore, you know? Um, and so, and it's, and so, like I said, it's, it's feelings that you're after. It's, it's, it's peace of mind is, uh, you know, for me, it's centeredness, be feeling inspired daily. And, um, and so those are the things that, that you're, you're, you know, we were looking at even back then, um, that we wanted for ourselves that we wanted, you know, at some point when we'd had children that we wanted for our children and, and, and eventually, you know, what came out of that is that once you, you reach those things and you're already living those, you know, in those feelings, you're like, okay, uh, it's time to start looking outside of myself. And now how can I give those same feelings that I was looking for? It might not be your exact same ones, peace of mind, but how can I give that to others and how can Mm -hmm. we be of service to others? And that's kind of how the educational business started as a result of, um, uh, uh, it, it might sound selfish, but taking care of us first. And, uh, and I find that actually truly meaningful because if you take care of yourself, you have much more bandwidth to be able to extend that to your team, to your clients, to your family, to, you know, to others. Um, not just on the financial side, uh, Liz and Andresa, but also generally speaking for us ladies, that's something to always keep in mind because we keep our, you know, we tend to put ourselves last and, um, and, um, and that's also, I think, something mindset and financial related in that we feel bankrupt on self-love and so on and so forth. Oh, so, big time. That can be like yeah. entire. Yeah, you need to be now. teaching courses about these things, Michelle. We'll come <laughs> to your first course, me and Andressa. I have some serious. Like, I'll go there. First, I mean, first you know, land, land flipping is awesome, but this is, the, this is the more important stuff. So if you're not teaching on this stuff already, we'll, we'll definitely uh, be your first. Uh, we'll be, we'll come it, and support. What's it, self-bankrupt? Yeah, I love yeah. your. Ter- yeah, like I love that. it. Your bankrupt. I give you because I use financial terms all the time. You know, so I'm like, okay, it's it's like being bank. You know, bankrupt on self love. Um, if you don't take the time to you know take care of yourself so that you can really have the bandwidth, emotionally, physically, spiritually, you know, to take care of others. Um, uh, so the progression, you know, kind of starts. You know, for every I think entrepreneur is, you know, you're looking first for freedom of money at some point. You know, then you're looking for freedom of time you know, through a team, you know, you kind of like buy back your time. Then you're looking at, you know, freedom of relationships, you know, come once you have those first two, uh, you start being very picky about who you work with, who you want to attract as a client, you know, what kind of projects you want to be involved with, who you're going to associate yourself with. And then at some point it's, you know, freedom of purpose. And um, I'm happy to say that you guys would be interested because that's, that's where I'm living now. And I just shared a couple of weeks ago, um, actually on Facebook, I had shared, you know, I'm going to start sharing a little bit more about faith, about flow and about finances, because those three things are things that are, uh, I, I feel very, very, you know, deep uh, related, deep in my heart towards not just from reading about it, but by living them, you know, mm-hmm. um, experiential kind of knowledge and um and uh yeah so so yeah you're right you you don't hear much about it you only hear about the actual technique and tactic but at some point the tactic can only take you so long you know absolutely yeah i'm curious too you know you you were working eight or nine years without children you know, 89, 80, 90 hours around that time frame you were saying, and then you had kids. But so. you know, and before we were working like that too, but we were just mm-hmm. working for someone else. So why right. not for myself, you know? Right. At the right. beginning. So you have children. I'm curious, you know, 
how did your, you particularly, um, your life shift, you know, how did you then make that transition of growing this business and having kids? I don't, I know you just don't have one. You have a few, right? Actually, I only have one. Oh, you do have one. I don't know why I thought you had a few. But I have like, all your students are your children. (laughs) She's 10 and now I have a four-legged one uh, that's been with us for two years. And that's like, (laughs) that's true. But how did you make that transition? Because you know, it's not, that is not a cruise control role as mother, as a mother. It's just, that's just not how it goes. (laughs) No. And, and, and that's why I, I know that uh, we were talking about uh, this with Andresa on our, on our initial phone call at once, we were talking about, you know, how do you find you know, balance and so on and so forth. And, and, and that balance is a tricky thing because I, I really think that um, you really have to think about it in terms of seasons, you know, uh, what season am I in? And if I am in the season of, I don't have family and I, um, I have, you know, pretty much all the energy and effort to devote to this one thing that I really, really, really want, then, then, you know, the meeting with whoever, you know, wasting time at a bar or going out or, you know, that can, that, that, that immediately like falls off the priority list because, you know, you're focused on that one thing um, and you don't have the commitment and responsibility of a family. But once the family came for us, um, it was, um, we were in a fortunate situation to have, to have help, you know, to have somebody help me in, in the beginning because I wanted to be there for Sophia for the first year. But uh, after about <laughs> six to seven months, and, and I don't want this to come across like I'm about mother, I'm like, oh my God, I am so ready to have, to have my brain be stimulated again and be back in the office. And so at that point, I started looking for um, an au pair service, you know, mm-hmm. where we could bring somebody from Germany, because Jack really was, you know, is, and I, and, I am with him. It was really important for him to have Sophia basically know German and, and she was going to learn Spanish because with being with me, you know, as the mother spending quite a bit of more time with her, um, she was going to learn it anyway. So we hired an au pair from Germany and she came and helped out a, a lot. And, and then what happens is that you shift from, um, I think that was the big, the second big shift of letting go of control where you're not going for perfection anymore, you're going for progress. And really the, my 80% is really, or somebody's 80% is really um, more than enough, you know, more than enough if they have the right intention and the right attitude. And, and, and this person, you know, with time will train, will be trained and will be aligned with our vision and mission such that they're going to be making decisions as if it was me. Um, and so at that point, you know, you, you know, you, that was the second, I think milestone was having Sophia. The first one was like, okay, we can't do this on our own. The next one is like, okay, now I have a child. I need to be letting much more of control, you know, of the day to day and really focusing on what truly is essential. Yeah. So I know, I know that you guys were asking me about, you know, what are some of your top books? I mean, essentialism. This is a book I would highly recommend to everyone. This book gets to the core of like, okay, what is truly essential and what is not in your life, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and it goes from activities to people, to ways of being, to habits, you know, that don't serve you. I mean, this is really essential and you start examining your life. And so, um, Sophia gave me the gift of, of self-reflection and examination because now she needed my time and attention as well. I remember when um, when Lorenzo, he's three now, but when when I was pregnant and my mom came to visit a couple of weeks prior of me delivering him and she opened up all the drawers mm-hmm. and it was very, very, it, everything was organized, clean, by size, by color. There was a swear, like if people gave me clothes, I'll say, no, I need to wash with this special detergent because, because, because that's how it is, isn't it? So let's do it. And I need to iron every single piece, every single one. Don't say that word. That word is forbidden in my house. The word ironing, right? Ironing, you know, iron, it needs to go to the cleaners. (laughs) Exactly. 
So my mom was like, Andressa, do you understand that this is not going to be functional for you? I was like, no, 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 no. This is how I am planning on doing, right? Yeah. And of course, it hit me on the freaking face because I wanted to go back to work, right? So what is essential? Essential is that clothing being clean. Yeah. Out of the dryer, we fold it and good to go. Yeah. And that's about it. So all that's not a priority to me anymore at all. At all. Yeah. The perfectionist, you know, when you are in an interview and say, ah, oh, what's your, you know, your uh, uh one of your characteristics say you don't think it's excellent. Oh, I'm a perfectionist. You know what? Drop that. It's yeah. not serving you any way, shape, or form in real estate, being perfectionist. Maybe you can use that on like running the numbers so you can get to the sense, you know, yeah. but other than that, it's just a waste of time and energy. And I totally get it. Like yeah. no iron at all. Well, we all have those areas, right? So, so Andressa, I definitely didn't have that one where I'm you know? ironing clothes and folding them perfectly. You should see my kids' uh, drawers. I don't even know where his shorts are. I was like getting shorts this morning. I'm like, I don't even know where they are. So I don't have that issue, but I have other issues, right? Not issues, but I have other things that are my folded clothes in the drawer, right? It's, it's other yeah. things for me that I need to, um, and I, you and I have talked about this, you know, getting help for the kids or did you do, or, you know, people taking on some things that I'm doing in the business. So we all have those things. So to M Michelle's point and her, her great teaching point there is that, you know, what in your life right now, you know, the ladies listening to this, what in your life right now could you let go of that's yeah. not serving you any longer so that you can maybe, because you, if you have like 10 hours in the day to, you know, to, to give to something, kids, family, work, and then you bring something else on, something has to go. I'm sure, I don't know, I, I have to read the Essentialism yeah. book, so I, that's on my top list now, but right? I mean, that's the whole idea, right? Yeah. You only have so much time. So what are those highest, best use of your time? Yeah, and you can even start, we actually even go, through this same exercise with, you know, with our mastermind members now, uh, because we do this quarterly, not just for your, you know, for your personal life, but for your business, a stop doing this. What are things that, like you said, you need to let go. Oh, I love that. Stop, you need to stop doing because um, it's like uh, pruning a tree, you know, so that it can really bloom and, mm. and blossom and so on. But in order for it to, you know, really blossom, you really need to, uh, you know, cut it back or, uh, focus your resources on one thing, you know, so e essentialism would be one. Another one along the same lines is uh, the pumpkin plan where you're giving your focus to that one big pumpkin that you're mm. looking to grow uh, in business. But, you know, for, for purposes of, um, of just very more tactical, you know, for everyone listening, just a simple stop doing list of things that you need to stop doing because they're not essential. I love that. I did not have, I have many lists though, but I don't have that one. You're so <laughs> yes. You have lists of to-dos versus li lists. Yeah. Exactly. But I like that list. And then, yeah. and then if you can start outsourcing even from, you know, what is left on yours as much as possible to the point where really you're working only on activities that are uh, in your genius, that you have a superior skill at and you love, uh, that's the goal. And, and mm -hmm. that's how you find the time. You make the time basically uh, for other priorities in your life. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I have probably like 10, 15 more questions on just so we got to unfortunately have, have Michelle back on. And, and I'm telling you, because I know you do teaching and you have some phenomenal courses, which I want you to talk a little bit about in a moment. But if you're not teaching on these topics, you need to be because, you know, I, I think you have so much to share and you have such a great way of explaining it. And um, it's a message yeah, my, that my, my days of being a, a crazy lady with structure and, and, um, and a control freak, I, they do pay off. Now I'm like, okay, I need just this minimal structure. And then within this minimal structure, we're just going to let things flow. <laughs> but well uh, right. Um, they're, they're definitely valuable. They're, they're you know, cause sometimes in terms of execution and implementation of things, you do need to think about in a more linear way, you know, and, and um, they, they do help. That's awesome. So Michelle, if for, for the ladies listening, they want to learn more about you, all the, all the great things you're up to and, and all the courses you have and just the way you're serving people in a lot of different ways, where can they uh, find more out about you? Yeah, they can connect uh, with me personally um, at michellebosch.com. 
Um, if you are interested in hearing about our land courses, um, you could go to our Facebook group. It's open. It's an open, you know, Facebook group. You'll still, you know, need to be um, accepted into the group, but there's no charge. You can just come in. It's an amazing community of about 2000 real estate investors, everyone helping each other um, uh, be successful in land. And it's called Forever Cash, the Forever Cash My Open Path group. And um, our courses can be found, if you want to check them out, at www.landprofitgenerator.com. That's landprofitgenerator.com. And, um, yeah, I would love to, um, whoever's listening to this, if, if, if being a contrarian, you know, and going after houses um, uh, or going after land versus houses and having no competition, you know, you know speaks to you, then... Um, please, by all means, that's really the easy button. You want to press the easy button? <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, before I, I ask you the fabulous three questions, uh, talk to yeah. me about the Forever Cash book as well. Okay. Uh, so Forever Cash is, is basically our story and our, our philosophy of the one-time temporary versus Forever Cash. And basically, we talk about there also about the three plans, you know, the security, comfort, and luxury plan, and how to go about that. And we describe a little bit, you know, the wealth wheel and how, in our mind, once a dollar goes and becomes an investing dollar, uh, it never leaves that investing wheel. It always goes towards uh, investing some more. You don't go and invest in a home that is giving you, you know, cash flow every month. And then at some point, because you want to buy a new car, you never sell, you know, or kill the golden, you know, the, the goose, goose to go buy yourself, you know, an asset that will depreciate in value. So, um, so right. it's, it's kind of those, those stories and, and the book is called forever cash and that's actually forever cash You can just order a free book and it's just shipping that is going to be charged. Awesome. Yeah. Great. So let's go to the fabulous three questions. I think we talked about books, but if you have any other one that you want to jump in. So right now is what's the most transformational book you have ever read? Oh my God. Ever read. I, I would have many, but lately I have read one from mm. Brené Brown that is a called Braving the Wilderness. Mm. And Braving the Wilderness is all about freedom to be yourself. It's about at some point, you know, you are going to be out there and you are not going to be pleasing everyone and that's okay. And, um, and, and it's okay for people not to agree with you and it's okay for people to, uh, criticize or whatever. You must be doing something right. If, you know, if there's, um, uh, uh, you know, people giving you any, you know, negative energy coming your way. Um, but, but in, in, in essence is, is basically, um, it's, it's kind of like a, a book that is about your declaration coming out declaration of this is who I am. This is what I stand for. Um, you know, uh, and it's not a take it or leave it because I mean, you're working with people and all, I'm all about unity and community, but it's a really about really enjoying who you are. And, um, and if you're wired, you know, to be very linear, uh, own that, take that on and make the best with it, you know, or if you're a very creative type of person and, um, then, then, then own that and go do that and, and, and a lot more of it, you know? And so wow. it's, um, it's, it, it was a great book. I highly recommend it. Braving the wilderness by Brené Brown, which is a lady that, um, I think also wrote, um, I think something brave. I want to say brave or yeah, she has brave. been on a super soul Sunday several yeah, times. Yeah, TED Talk too. Yeah, she's great. great. Yeah, she's incredible about vulnerability and how that vulnerability uh, really um, shouldn't you shouldn't think of that as a weakness, but re yeah. really as a sense of uh, strength and power, something that you can really rest on. Wow, beautiful. Yeah. The second question is: What's the most powerful routine? you do to create a financially free and balanced life? I love that question. And the reason why is like I said, you know, I just started, you know, this, this, uh, um, this new project, which is talking to people about faith and flow. And, and that question really goes uh, to the core of it because 
you can do things and schedule things quarterly, but really we all live in the day. And so what can you do on a daily basis that will give you power? Do you want to walk out the door, you know, feeling powerful or feeling completely assaulted and victimized by all the demands of, you know, the day and that people have on you. And so for me, it's, um, it's breath work and it's meditation. So just, you know, nice breath work. I have been practicing yoga for the last uh, seven to eight years. So in yoga, we call it pranayama, but it's really just, you know, deep breathing. And, um, and meditation has been, uh, has been definitely uh, one of those tools where you're like, okay, uh, I don't have time to sit down to meditate, you know, 10 to 15 minutes. Um, and because you don't have time, you definitely need it. And uh, another, <laughs> objection that I, another objection that I really hear is, well, uh, isn't that involving like thinking about nothing? My, my mind is always going. That's the whole point. It's about you sitting for 10 to 15 minutes and consciously watching how your mind is going. <laughs> and, and at some point, you know, you, I, you do this, you know, for a few weeks and you start detaching from that crazy itty shitty bitty committee that is running the show in your head. Totally. And, and you start making some distance and you're like, oh, okay. You know, those are crazy pro programs or crazy patterns that I'm, that I'm on, you know, but if you don't even notice them to begin with, you know, so it's a great tool to start noticing those things. And what you will find is that um, those things will slowly you know, fall off and you will be able to find moments, little tiny gaps of being just you yourself and that those tiny gaps will permeate throughout the day. And, you know, your, your intellect will be like sharp, right on. You will have much more clarity. You will, uh, things that would probably take you, I don't know, an hour or however long to decide, maybe you can come to a decision right away. And that's because wow. you've had some time to um, you know, honor and anchor yourself or ground yourself in, in something, you know, and, 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 and in the beginning, it starts with grounding in yourself so that you can find faith in yourself. But then that faith starts extending to faith in the goodness of others and faith in the unknown or God, you know, and so, yeah, that, that breath work and meditation, um, if you can't go straight to God, start with having faith in yourself you know, by some kind of a practice of some sort, like meditation, and then start moving outward from there. Beautiful. The last question is, which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? Which woman? So there's a, there's a lot, but one that I really, really, really love and resonate when her book came out um, a while back is Sheryl Sandberg, the CEO of Facebook. And the, the two things that really resonated with me there were, um, you know, women, and, and if you made the decision to get off the gas and be at home, that's totally fine. But if that is not the decision, you know, that, that you're making actively, um, her advice of keeping your foot on the gas and keeping relevant and keep and staying on top and, and current, basically, um, in your skill set, you know, in in, in knowledge and things that expand both your mind and your heart um, definitely spoke to me. Another thing that she said about there is uh, for us ladies, I think it's um, incredibly valuable and I don't want this to be taken as like uh, calculating, but it's, it's like about being very careful in the partner that you choose, you know, to, to marry and to start a family, you know, someone that, you know, she says they're, choose someone that where that sees you as a truly equal partner, you know, and, um, and that is so important. Um, I, I think, cause otherwise you're, you know, you're stuck with the responsibilities at home and at work and, and it should be an equal, you know, an equal responsibility. So those two, those two things I really love about her message there. Um, and another lady that I really, um, admire is, Oprah. And why I love Oprah, it's not just because she's vulnerable and she's an amazing communicator, but I love how she has used her platform and her incredible influence to talk about without the public even knowing 
about consciousness work, about self-awareness, about faith in yourself, in the goodness of others, in the unknown, and so on and so forth, in a very secular way. I love how she's basically used her platform and, and her experience to to talk about that. So those, I think, would be the two ladies, for sure. Awesome. That is awesome. Thank you so much, Michelle. Can't thank you enough for being on the show, sharing all of your wisdom with, with, with us and the ladies listening and, and the community. So we really are sincerely appreciative of your time. Absolutely. We have like two or three more like themes for next episodes that we can dissect and go deeper. I can't wait for it. It will be my pleasure because I, I, yeah, I feel like, okay, you guys wanted to interview me about real estate and it kind of went the other way, but I, I love this because this is what I'm passionate about. So this awesome. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.